Welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing the first two installments of Star Trek Short Treks, titled Runaway and Calypso. We're actually talking about Star Trek this week. Yeah, we talked about Star Trek last time, too, because we were talking about Star Trek Discovery. This is true. It's mm-hmm. like we're back to where we began. Mm-hmm. The only news that has come up that was actually funny because, like, two or three separate people all sent me messages this week being like, oh, my goodness, did you see this? <laughs> was the bit of news that apparently there's talks with um, Michelle Yeoh. Oh, right. About- yes. Yes. A spinoff. A Section 31 spinoff series. That would be amazing. Yes, I did read that. I did also read, like, I don't know about news or announcements, but the only other things that I've seen about Star Trek this week Mm -hmm. are directly about the second short Trek. Okay. And what it says about the series overall. So, and the timeline and that sort of thing. So we can discuss that later. Oh, I'll be interested. I saw a lot of... I didn't have time to read a lot of the chatter about it, but it did seem like more people were discussing this episode than yeah. the last one. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, shall we start then with a brief discussion of Runaway? Sure. Which yes. you kind of talked about last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched it this morning because um, I do things last minute. And... I guess I agree with a lot of the criticisms about it. It was good, but it didn't really make any sense. Okay. Now, this one is directed by... uh, Okay, I'm just going to take a stab at this director's name. I'm going to say it's Maya Vervilo. Oh, okay, yeah. There's a lack of vowels there. There is, yeah. And uh, this director also has a directing credit for Discovery Season 2. Mm-hmm. So if we like the directing they did, we will get a chance to see a full-length episode with them. Hmm. Yeah, the look of the episode was fine. I felt like mm-hmm. the tone was good, very, very Tilly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked uh, Mary Wiseman, as per usual. She's great as Tilly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just thought the writing was really weird. Okay. And like... like in- Hmm? In in terms of like decisions Tilly made or like no that was fine more like or... what was this alien lady like she didn't make any sense like I I don't understand what was up with her um because she talked about you know being twins with her planet yes but she's young and there were people of her race that were older than her so. I'm confused about that, and just a lot of that was weird. I think it's more just that she viewed her people in a broader sense as her planet's twin. Like, the people came about at the same time as the planet came about. Mm -hmm. So not that she specifically was born at the same time as her planet, but their race. But then she started calling the planet her twin sister, and it was very strange. Mm Mm-hmm. So, there's that. People kill, call our planet Mother Earth, and... I guess. That's... But she didn't call it the twin sister, or our twin sister. She specifically said my twin sister. I don't think that bothered me as much. It mm. probably just was like... It bothered me because it made no sense. 
aliens talk differently. Sure. Fine. Sure. Sure. (laughs) And then just everything that episode seemed to happen, like, really quickly. And then they were very much trying to, like, link things that they just didn't really have time to link. Like, Tilly's feelings of insecurity with what was happening there. It it was just very strange. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think they quite got what they were going for. Right. Tilly did seem incredibly, incredibly stressed out. Yes. And so part of me wonders if they're setting something up for her character for season two. Well, I assume they are. I assume most of these things are setups for something. Especially the second one. Okay. Anything else to add about... The Runaway episode, then? Um, no, I hope we do get to visit that person's planet. I think it would make a very interesting, fuller episode to be like, hey, we need to go investigate this Dilithian stuff, and Tilly being like, oh, hey, I have an in. <laughs> right. Um, sadly, when I was looking up the production info and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I did check out the actor who played... Uh, this alien, mm-hmm. and they are not appearing, they don't have any credits for any other Star Trek stuff. So oh. if we do get an episode like that, it's not going to be in season two. Well, do we have all of the season two credits? I assumed so, because I think the director's season two qued- credits was like uh, uh, season two, episode 11. Do we have any idea how many episodes we're getting in season two? I'm assuming the same rough number as in season one. Hmm. It might be different. I hope it's more. I'm just checking it out now. Mm-hmm. So on IMDb, it's listed as 28 episodes. That's much more. No, no, no. For oh, the whole total, show. Total, total, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they have, yeah, 13, 13 episodes for season two. Okay, well, we'll see. So, yeah. Anyways, I would just be interested in seeing more of that yeah yeah and like that's one of the things that star trek fans say about going back in time Mm -hmm. is that you're less likely to see different alien species than we've already seen yeah um they kind of have to go a little sideways and then it's always you're questioning oh why didn't we hear about this species before why have you never met them that's true um so this species is really cool, and I would like to see more with them. Mm-hmm. And maybe if they have already planned out season two, season, you know, we could always come back to them in season three or something else. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the more important one. Episode two. <laughs> Gee, which one did Kate like better? It was so good. Uh, Calypso was really excellent. And uh, anybody who's been following the Star Trek no- news and knows that Michael Shabon, who wrote this episode, is also the executive producer of the as-of-yet-unnamed Star Trek Picard series. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, okay, that yeah. That makes me yeah. excited. Yeah, and uh, so if you enjoyed this and this type of sci-fi writing, then... Hopefully we've got more good things to look forward to in the Star Trek universe. I liked it so much because at first I really thought it was going to go the Hal route, right? That she the was. Hal- 
how like 2001 sorry um okay like i really thought she was gonna be evil or at the very least keep him there indefinitely against his will Mm -hmm. but then they they sort of really understood each other at the end and i liked that a lot yeah it wasn't like he managed to get control enough of the ship to get away Mm -hmm. it was which is partly what the title would have had us believing as well. Yeah. Um, Because, of course, Calypso, for those of you who don't know, this is the... um, So it's from the Odyssey. Yeah. When Odysseus is traveling and he goes to this island where Calypso keeps him from his wife for seven years. Yeah. And keeps him trapped on the island. And I have not read the Odyssey, so... And that's the other thing. This episode has, like, multiple allusions to other bits of media and stories, Mm -hmm. which I think helps give it some depth. Uh, Before we get too much further into it, uh, this is also directed by Olatunde Osunsanmi, Mm -hmm. uh, who also directed the Discovery Season 1 episodes, The Butcher's Knife, Cares Not for the Lamb, and What's Past is Prologue. Oh, okay. So... And I thought the direction was really good. Yeah. So. And I'm glad they had somebody who's been working on Discovery do this one since it was on the Discovery. And is obviously that has been sitting there without a crew for a thousand years. Yes. Yes. So that was very, very intriguing. Yeah. Now, Kate, you thought that this one definitely had like tie in. Well, because it's potential not the discovery, which doesn't have a crew. So obviously the crew has gone somewhere and done something. And, and the <sighs> ship has been ordered to remain in place for a thousand years. So that would imply to me that wherever they've gone, whatever they've done, they're expecting to reappear right there. Oh, I see where you're going with this. Oh, oh, I hadn't thought of that. I had just thought that this was at some point far, far, far in the future. And yeah, it is. But with the show that has already introduced time travel. Yeah, no, I didn't think that at all. (laughs) Which I I mean, maybe I should have since yeah, it is a show that's already introduced time travel. But it was the ship that was traveling them through time. So right. But we don't know what's going to happen. Well, no. So I am very intrigued about that and how and, and the ship felt it was like a thousand years later, the ship has made itself sentient, but it still didn't feel that it could abandon its order. Right. Even though it could now reason. Yes. So it was staying for a reason is my thinking. And I am very intrigued about where that is going. And from what I've read on the Internet, also a lot of people think this is sort of part of the explanation on why Starfleet doesn't have the spore drive, why these people have never been mentioned, why nobody knows who they are, you know? They've gone missing for a thousand years. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the spore drive is highly, highly, highly classified. So I can understand why that wouldn't... Right, but... And and for obvious reasons with, like, you know... It requires the piloting by the tardigrade species, and it's not beneficial for the tardigrade species. So you'd either have to, like, create a slave race or, yes. you know, the bioengineer, blah, blah, blah. You know, human interface has its issues as well. Right. But I'm sure Stamets is working on something. You know, a thousand years later, 
I'm sure something could have come up. But anyways, um, so I'm just very intrigued about that side of things also and how they are planning on working that in, as I assume they are. What did you think of this episode and everything? See, I didn't think, like, I felt slightly disappointed Mm -hmm. because I didn't think it was going to be working in at all. Oh. And so... I was like, oh, it's set so far in the future, and this guy's just, like, a random other person, and this feels more like, well, maybe it could set up some other Star Trek series dealing with this other, like, Alcor 4 or whatever, and, and different parts of space, and how it fits in far, far in the future, mm. post-Voyager and everything. That's where I went to it. I mean, that might be the case, but the ship... I just don't think it is because they could have had it be any ship then. You know, why make it the discovery if it's not uh, tying in somehow? Maybe that's the only way it does tie in. I just feel like if it, if it, either way, even if they're not going to do something with it, the discovery crew has gone missing in the future and, and the ship is still waiting for them, you know? So that's interesting. And it's been waiting for a thousand years. So we are probably going to learn what happened maybe not this season and it so i don't know everything to me says it's gonna tie in okay because that's too big of a question to to raise without having an answer planned Hmm. okay yeah and i was just looking up the planet Mm -hmm. and the only mention it has is in this presumably it's a new planet yeah or newly important because Zora, the computer, does mention how she doesn't have any records of a human settlement being there. Yeah. Okay. And apart from all that, I really did just love the writing in this one. And and yeah. the directing. It was a very beautifully shot episode. The acting was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I went and I started doing a little bit of uh, research on, like, the Betty Boop mm-hmm. clips. And the specific clips that flash in and out at the beginning are from the film Snow White. And the parts that we see are where Betty becomes encased in a block of ice as she's fleeing the Wicked Witch. And then gets carried in the ice to an enchanted cave by the dwarves. So, very like fleeing in a life pod. Yes. And getting onto a almost enchanted ship. Yes. For what it does. Yes. And then Funny Face, I have not seen. Neither have I. And so I was trying to, like, read some synopses of it and see if, you know, trying to figure out why this would be the computer's favorite movie of all media. Mm-hmm. Um, why this one would get selected. Right. Did you so, come up with anything? No, no, I didn't have much time to think it through and come up with anything brilliant. I think it's just supposed to be a good musical romance, you know, a classic. Oh, for sure. So, I don't know. And maybe it's, you know, CBS already had the rights to it. <laughs> it could be something as simple as that. So, yeah, I really liked this episode. And I hope the rest of them are very much like it also. Yeah, the next one deals with, uh, okay, his his name just left my head. (laughs) Mud? Is that the next one? No. 
No, I think the next one deals with Saru. Oh, Saru. Okay. Yeah, the next one deals with Saru, and then the final one deals with Mud. Okay. And, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to both of those as well. I suppose I don't mean that I want them to be like this one, so much as I hope they have, they live up to the, the quality that this one gave us. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, the other three episodes, like Mud... Mm-hmm. This is supposedly going to be explaining how he escaped uh, the Klingon prison ship. Mm-hmm. And then Saru, as far as I know, is giving a little bit of backstory to Saru. Mm-hmm. So we'll see um, a little bit about him, potentially family members, things like that. See, these all tie in very closely and is why I think that this one is going to be tying in. Yeah, you're right. So, like, either this one is, for some reason, an outlier Mm -hmm. and isn't going to tie in, or they're going to have to bring it in somehow. Yeah. um, Which is, will be interesting. I think it would be really interesting, like, if some point in this season they do somehow, let's just say, jump ahead in time a thousand years and show up on their ship who has become a sentient character, basically. I think that would be a lot of fun. That certainly would be uh, an interesting turn of events. And the very original, when they were first pitching the new show for Star Trek, Mm -hmm. for Discovery, the very first project idea that got pitched was designed to be more of like an anthology of different Star Trek stories. So it would jump around in the timeline, having like a season be about this and another season be about something different. And... So it would be more like each season is vignettes. Right. And they scrapped that idea and and eventually developed Discovery. And now it almost feels like if they're going to be jumping around in time and stuff like that, that it does have a little bit of that original anthologizing feeling. Mm -hmm. So we'll see where, where it goes. I am very excited. Okay. That's good. Because season two is going to be here. In January. In 65 days. Oh, Kate's got a countdown going. <sighs> what are... What did oh, you really we... like about... I don't think you really talked about what you really liked about this episode. Oh, I liked this episode a lot. Uh, I liked that it had a real sci-fi feel to it. Sentient chip. It's a classic. S- yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking a little bit about, you know... Okay, so she... Her, her name is Zora. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, has she ever thought to, like, change the sound of her voice? Like, she's clearly making conscious choices about how she looks in the hologram part of it as well. Mm-hmm. And just all those different sorts of ideas about AI and what influences them to choose what they choose. And, and I found Kraft's description of his planet and everything just really fascinating Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and yeah they just packed a lot into the episode yeah they did and it didn't feel rushed or bad no it was a few minutes longer than runaway like i think it was uh 18 minutes and runaway was 14 minutes um but yeah, I really liked how it was done and even just how all of the visuals helped reinforce like how when he woke up the feeling of disorientation because it starts with him like upside down in the sick bay and 
you know, the camera angles shifted and I love Audrey Hepburn and I love musicals. So I was also like, why haven't I seen Funny Face? Yeah, geez. I know. And uh, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it. Yay. I'm glad. Mm-hmm. As did I, as discussed. Yes. And I hope that this is a show of what type of writing and directing quality we can expect in season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other writer who had credit on this one was Sean Cochran, who is just a season one staff writer. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like he is on the staff for season two. Or at least not yet, according to IMDb. Mm, th- see, that makes me think even more so that it's going to be connected. Because hmm. if he had something to do with like the overarching storyline and came up with things that were going to be affecting the discovery going forward. That could be. And it could be he's not listed as a staff writer for season two yet because he might have more individual episode writing credits. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how it plays out. I'm trying to do a better job of tracking who's writing and directing. Right. And paying attention to different aspects of style and things like that. Yeah. We did have a little bit of listener feedback this week. Oh, okay. Um, it was from... I think it was from the episode before last where we were talking about rewatching Discovery. Mm-hmm. And Alan at Chipper Allen on Twitter said that in rewatching some of the show, I think the weakest thing about the show is how serialized it is. It focuses on Michael, so I never bond with the to the crew as a whole or the ship. It is so focused, it doesn't feel entirely like Trek. The premiere is a good example of that. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I can get behind that. As much as I like Tilly's my favorite and I love her, but I because the show does focus so hard on Michael, not that I have a particular problem with that because I do also really like Michael and I like her journey. Um it can feel like even the characters that you like are completely different episode to episode and while that might have been a writing problem, it really might have just been a we don't really ever see them or their point of view problem. Right, right. I also feel like Discovery is a little bit, um, it's the test case. It's the first Star Trek to be shifted to the streaming medium. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to blend things that felt like they're trying to, to shift it over. And some of the core like Star Trek feel came from the fact that it was created in a different medium. Yeah. So that's getting a little bit muddied in the adaptation, I think. I can also, and we're seeing now that they had plans to really bring back the Star Trek brand, mm-hmm. you know, in more than one way. And so right. I can feel where maybe they weren't sure exactly how they were going to do that when they were planning out season one. So maybe mm-hmm. they were keeping things back because they thought they might go in a different direction with it. Right. Right. So... I mean, I don't... I'm one... Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I don't know that that's worked out into their favor or anything, but it could be something that's happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things that I always refer to as a Star Trek thing is that they do sometimes have whole episodes that focus on one of the more background characters. Mm-hmm. 
So when we're talking about Next Generation, we'll talk about it being a Geordi episode right. or a Wharf episode yeah. at, where it focuses more on those people. But part of the reason they did those episodes is because they had to fill 22 episodes yeah. each season. And I also um, think that's just a very, a very 90s way of doing TV. Because almost mm-hmm. every TV show that I watched in the 90s was like that. Like there was a main character and like a main plot. And then there would always be episodes focusing on the side characters. Mm-hmm. And I, Star Trek was much more episodic. So yeah. there was always like an alien or a conflict or a planet or you know, something that was driving the episode and they filled in character moments around it for some main characters. And then every once in a while, the side characters would get an episode much more focused on them. Yeah. And I mean, I think they improved it a lot in Deep Space Nine because in Deep Space Nine, there was more overarching episodes, um, storylines running through them all in the background. And there would often be... um, a plots and B plots where they were a little bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. So you got to see a little bit more of all the different cast of characters interacting and they weren't always necessarily having to be involved in the main problem of the week to solve. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit better in that way. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, that's also my very biased opinion since Deep Space Nine is my favorite and I've seen it the most. Right. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm really curious to see how season two pans out and if it starts to feel more Star Trek-like. The trailers so far to me feel a lot more like Star Trek. Yeah, I'm excited. So, uh, But also, yeah. I'm not personally worried about it feeling Star Trek-like. And I don't think, I don't think the studio is either because that's not, that's not what they want. Like... The last time they tried to make something Star Trek-like, it was canceled very quickly. Well, not very quickly, but, you know, it went off the air for 10 years or whatever. Right. So they want to do something that appeals to, like you said, people who watch streaming, people who who are watching TV now, not watching TV mm-hmm. then. So I don't think... Yeah. Uh, you're right. To a certain extent, it's going to have to adapt to this medium. Mm-hmm. And we will find out how successfully they do it. Yeah, and um, and like I said, they're trying to bring it back, you know, cross cross media. Yeah, because this is like with the Star Trek shorts, this is kind of a first. Yeah, and the way that it's uh, on Crave TV, the way that it's set up is that this is Star Trek shorts season one. Yeah, and I don't know if that's Crave TV putting it that way, or if they actually are thinking that. There will be more shorts produced, like, between seasons as they go on. That would be interesting. Yeah. Because it is a way to sort of fill in the character moments. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, the short format is a little bit different. I'm also thinking right now of uh, the show's Battlestar Galactica. And I think that Lost did this a little bit well, a little bit as well, Mm. where... There were, like, webisodes while the TV show was running. Right, yeah. I don't remember about Lost, but I know. And it was was some of the first, like, shows to incorporate different media to get all of the plot information or to get bonuses and stuff out there. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting to see Star Trek doing something like that as well. It's smart, though. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean... 
like even if you aren't a Star Trek fan, I think that Calypso especially, and to some extent as well, Runway, Runaway work as like standalone sci-fi shorts. Yeah. Um, you don't need to know the Star Trek backstory to appreciate it as a short story form. So Yeah, but the Calypso one, I'm so intrigued. I need to know. That one, even more than any of the trailers, has gotten me amped up for season two. Is, oh, really? Yeah, I want to know what happens. Okay. How do they all disappear? Okay. Why has the ship just been sitting there for a thousand years? Why does it feel necessary to continue sitting there? Ugh, mm-hmm. I need to know these things. Why hasn't anybody else stumbled upon it and, like, given it any updates? Yeah. Like, even wayward travelers could have come across it and updated it. Anyways, those are all good questions. I want to know. All right. Do you have any recommendations this week, Kate? Uh, sure. Yes. Yes, I do. You should crochet a blanket. (laughs) I will get behind that 50% (laughs) and say you should crochet. A blanket could be a very big project. I guess it could be. My my blankets that I've done have taken me a very long time. Yeah. And the one that I'm making for myself has turned out to be <sighs> pricey. Also, I've messed this one up. Shit. <laughs> Kate, Kate is crocheting as we podcast. I'm going to have to take all of this out. Okay. It's fine. Everything's fine. But I, I will say that I also find crocheting to be, like, very relaxing. Well, it's kept and... me from playing with stuff on my desk and making a lot of noise that I'm just going to have to cut out later. So, well, that's good. Yeah, that's that's why I do it while I podcast. Okay. All right. Would you like to hear my recommendation? I would like to hear your recommendation. Okay. My recommendation is for people to check out Die November. Ah, uh, yes. So, this is a phenomenon that happens every November which involves, in certain houses, the toy dinosaurs coming alive and doing shenanigans. Uh, if you just do a search for Dinovember online, you will find a lot of uh, pictures of the t- types of things that the dinosaurs come alive and do. And they are currently running amok in my household, getting up to all sorts of different things. I am while we sleep. very jealous of your dinosaur toys. They're awesome. Yes, we have we have quite a collection of dinosaur toys. And they're, this isn't they're sizable. This isn't even all the dinosaur toys. Wow. Um a lot of the this is the biggest bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah. But like we in, we inherited some as hand-me-downs and then um some were added to the collection as birthdays and Christmases went and people found out our kids were into dinosaurs so a lot of dinosaur sets what kids aren't into dinosaurs at some point well i mean really i love dinosaurs i mean uh, the dinosaurs just got out into the playroom and we're all reading dinosaur books Ah, very good and two of the dinosaur books were from when i was a child and i used to sit there and read them over and over and over again so well you've been doing a very good job me or what? No, it's just the dinosaurs. All oh, right, I'm I'm so sorry. The dinosaurs look luck. like they're having fun. <laughs> they sure do. Yeah. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Crochet a blanket and enjoy dinosaurs and Dino November. Yes. Yes. 
I believe is that is that everything? We done? We done? We done? Awkward goodbye. Uh, I think that's signing it. off. Uh, well, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at a command of her own at gmail.com or on Twitter at command of her own and on Instagram, Instagram.com slash a command of her own. Uh, also, I forgot next week we are going to be watching Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Okay. <laughs> That's why I told you not to woohoo. Yes. <laughs> All right. It is. Well, well, whatever. You'll make up your own. Uh, I'll make up my own mind about it. Um, yeah. Mostly just because I felt like watching I, it again. It, it'll be good to set me some context for it because some Rogue One stuff has made its way into the house oh, okay. through, again, children's birthday parties. Interesting. Not the one I would pick is like the most <sighs> child-friendly one. Yeah. But okay, I guess yeah. we'll see. This is what I say. You know, Star Trek leads to learn the successful merch formula. Yeah. Uh, Which, yeah, I mean, to really be does. fair, Star Wars literally invented it. Oh, yeah. But I mean, it's not hard to look at it and see the template there. No. <laughs> Just... Copy it. But I mean, that's why they have a leg up. Well, yeah. Yeah. And also, True. I feel like Star Trek was the the hipster one, you know, when it first came out. <laughs> like, it would never have lowered itself at the time. So it's, it's behind on that also. Right. Gotcha. Okay. You know, it was for the intelligent nerds, not the... Right. Anyways, I don't need to dig myself in deeper here. Okay. This is where we say goodbye, Kate. Goodbye, Kate. Goodbye. (laughs)